now dumb for having listened to it. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 55. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever, who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD to talk everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant Heal, and with me, as always, is Scott McNeese. Hello everyone, uh, it's so good to join you, our second episode for 2019. Yes indeed. Thank you so much for the love on the first episode, uh, we always, we're, st- we're still growing in uh, in downloads and, and that's truly humbling, so thank you for the love and the support for the show. Yeah, on the socials as well. Uh, we've got a couple of oh, announcements I guess to make tonight. Oh look, one, one big guest, one major announcement for the, for the podcast. Yeah, so uh, we want to obviously put on a... Uh, uh, increase our efforts on the podcast. Uh, we know we're getting a lot more listeners than when we started 18 months ago. I can assure you we are. So yeah. uh, we want to make sure the content is, is is really great for Essendon fans and, and they hear a voice from Essendon fans and that's something that we really want to do this year is make sure that you're hearing from, a, a, I guess, a fan's voice and not and, and not saying an anti-club, but not from a club's voice. But yeah. You're hearing, you're hearing from the outer. <laughs> the outer. Exactly what a fan. I mean, we're, we're like all, everybody that's out there listening. We're, we're just a, a pair of fans that have been following the Essendon Footy Club until Scott, uh, ever since Scotty put me onto the Essendon Football Club at around age six. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're trying to really this year give more, even more of a fan's perspective. Um, but again, I think the the addition to the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast, which we'll announce a bit later on, yep. um, is absolutely going to help along those lines as well. And look, the other big news is that myself and Grant have decided to do a tour of America, a man's tour. A, a boy's tour of America. <laughs> We've, uh, we're both, Scotty's got his birthday coming up very soon. I've just sort of celebrated mine in the last sort of couple of weeks. We've both, look, I think we can say we've both ticked over at 45. We're both 45 years old, so we're looking at each other going, look, it's, I think it's about time around that middle-agey area where we we leverage what little cash we have in the bank <laughs> and we jump in a convertible and do a boys trip of the States. So yeah, we're doing uh, the NBA, seeing the Sixers. Mate, but what, are the, what mm. the biggest thing we're doing... Is the the opening of Star Wars World at Disneyland? I know it may sound like twelve year old child. It may sound look. I, I may or may but, not be dressed like Luke Skywalker. Every man's a child, and we have little bucket lists, and uh, we just we're we're going for a couple of two couple of weeks, and couple of weeks, and we're just going to tour off some tick off some uh, big bucket lists, and um, even even on Halloween night, what are we doing? Halloween night. One of What's Scotty, our biggest? That's our favorite movie. Scotty and I is one of our. It's got to be in our top three. Um, favorite movies of all time is the original 1974 John Carpenter, um, John Carpenter Halloween film. Um, a very young Jamie Lee Curtis, a very scary, perfectly played Michael Myers. And for those that don't know, I mean, again, we're probably not talking particularly much in a football club right now, but um, for those of you who don't know, it was filmed in um, uh, South Pasadena in Los Angeles. So the streets and that sort of stuff, we've always thought it would be very cool to walk around. On Halloween night. On Halloween night. The streets of... Because uh, that movie when we were young scared the, the hell out of us. And it would be hilarious to be able to walk around the streets where they filmed Halloween on Halloween night. I may or may not be buying the equipment and the masks <laughs> and stuff to make myself look like Michael Myers. Um, but yeah, we've uh, we've made a bit of a decision. We're now saving like mad. Um, to be able to get over to the States to do that. Yeah, so we're doing... Uh, yeah, just doing some stupid guys' bucket lists that we've always discussed for the Take last Takeaway food, years. just yeah. bulk Coca-Cola, um, and topic and tailing in the bed. 
So uh, that, that's uh, that's our that's our personal big decision. Uh, look, we'll go to a quick break, but we'll obviously have a, a big announcement after the break that we're really excited, and and we'll go into also the JLT game. Hugely excited. See you after the break. Oh yes, welcome back to the smooth sounds there of Daft Punk on the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. So, we wanted to uh, announce a major coup for for 2019. Coup, an excellent underword, underused word. Uh, we wanted to have a regular guest uh, on every month, and when we thought of names, there was one person last year that we had an interview with, and we just loved talking to him. Yeah. Uh, and it's Ronnie Lerner from, from The Age. Ronnie Lerner. Uh, so we, we had a discussion with him and he's agreed to now come on every month. So for instance, for end of the JLT series, we're going to have him on in a couple of weeks to wrap yep. up the JLT series. Yep. And and then once the senior um, season starts, say after round four, we'll have the first month, round eight, round 12, you can sort of follow on from there. Yep. And we just want to have a regular sort of contributor who's a, who's a, a well-established media uh, football writer. Absolutely. Um, uh, and passionate Essendon man, and that's so, I think that's the real key for us, and we're and we're so ecstatic that he said yes because he's a journo and he's um, he's eloquent. He knows his football, but even better than that, he's a he's a bomber supporter as well. Exactly. And like we said at the start of the podcast, we really want to continue to focus this year on um, on the the lunchtime catch up being about the the club by fans. So as much as Ronnie's going to have some brilliant insights into um, the wider AFL and how Essendon fits in and our list and how we're going, we're, we're absolutely going to be asking him questions about what do you reckon from a fan's point of view, who are you yeah. liking at the moment and that sort of stuff. So we are ecstatic yeah. to, to, to say that Ronnie's going to be on the on the podcast on a monthly basis. And look, it's important to note, and much as we love guests, there's definitely shows that we're just going to do ourselves yeah. and to make sure it's a, it's a fan link and we're going to have segments where, where we want to have questions from our fans um, and and answer them as best as we do. Yeah. We love we love sort of answering what people's opinions are, how they think Essendon's going. Yeah. So we we love interactions. So we always encourage that, and we'll have that during the season as it goes on. We'll make sure we're sort of connecting on social media um, yeah. to to have that interaction with with our I guess with our base or fans or whatever yeah. you call them. And I guess on the social, speaking of that um, uh, subject now, we're, we're, we're pretty much everywhere now. We're global. We're trending. Instagram. Um, we're Instagram, Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. We're the Lunch Catch-Up on Twitter. Couldn't get Lunchtime Catch-Up. So we're the Lunch Catch-Up on Twitter um, and the Lunchtime Catch-Up on Facebook. Come and check us out on any of those um, platforms. Send us a message. Um I've been made the CEO and Senior <laughs> Vice President of Socials for the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. So I'll be doing a heap of, uh, of posts and, and on those sort of three platforms. I know Scotty does a heap of work on Twitter as well. So keep an eye out for us on uh, on the socials. And um, you can always find us on uh, Twitter, uh, not Twitter, on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. So yeah. um, like and subscribe us in there if you want to hear more. And definitely subscribe. It's the best way of hearing our show uh, by far. So if you go into iTunes or SoundCloud... Just click follow or su- subscribe. Yep. Uh, the show will come on automatically in your feed 
Uh, it's the best way. It helps you in case you forget or you don't know a show's come up live. It'll just pop up into your feed. Uh, so that would be my rec- recommendation. But we're now, here to, now that the shameless <laughs> plug has been uh, has we're here been to talk finished. footy. Footy and last, JLT one last night at Icon, formerly known as every other name, as every other Optus Prentice. Uh, yeah, uh, we played the arch enemy in Carlton. Yeah, and as per script, we we lost by about under ten points. As per Essendon script, <laughs> I in the interview that we got coming up with uh, Benny Howlett, uh, we I sort of made mention of this is that. Essendon looked like we were playing in the very first JLT game of the year, because it was, and Carlton came out and played like they were after a spot in the finals. Yes. I think, I'd, as much as it's disappointing to lose the first JLT game of the season again and sort of get smashed in the midfield in the first half and that sort of stuff, <clears throat> I think this is one of those ones, Bomber fans, where we've we've had to just swallow the first few games of the JLT because... They've not really gone our way, and I think we have to do it again because the second half showed that the talent is clearly there to beat Carlton. Um, and that was that was a very inexperienced squad that was that was coming back against absolutely, Carlton. Absolutely, yeah. So. And I, I think so. It's it's just it's just disappointing from a fan's point of view. Yeah. To go down in the first game again, I I must admit I finished work yesterday and rifled home as fast as my little legs would carry me so that I could be on the couch with the drink and the, the nibbles in front of the couch to watch the game. And by three-quarter time, I'm just going, ah, oh, man, I just would have liked a five-goal win. It just, yeah. I'm just hanging for a five-goal win in the first game. Look, how I saw it, I was a bit worried before the game, and I could tell the strategy was to get uh, key minutes into guys that are clearly underdone. Uh, and we've discussed this in the last podcast because we talked about Heppel's hardly trained, Merritt's injured, yeah. Danaha's injured, all these guys. And they're all big superstars for our club anyway. Yeah. Uh, so when they were all announced, I was one, I was a little bit surprised, to be honest, but that was a good sign. Mm, clearly. It, it clearly, Essendon Football Club, their requirement... For the for the actual senior season, which is really what counts, four points counts, is is to get as much minutes and, and to their underdone players. Yeah, clearly. Uh, and, and look, it, it cost us a very bad first half. You could tell though they were well underdone. I could tell Hepper was not himself. Merritt was clearly not himself. Joey's actually showed some good signs actually yeah. in his movement. Uh, but just things like even Devin Smith had a very interrupted preseason. Uh, and they're very, very big players for us. So it was funny. Once After half-time, once those guys sort of get, went out of the game, and, and then we had just younger guys who had actually had proper pre-seasons, we started to see some run and carry, and we yeah. started to see some different ball movement. Uh, I thought uh, Andy McGrath's second half was sensational. I actually, funny enough, I, I actually was telling Grant, the first half I actually thought Andy McGrath was really quiet, and I was, yeah. I was a little bit... Sh- I mean, it's, it's DLT one, so I'm not really saying I'm upset or anything like that. No. But it was like it was a bit odd because he'd been starring so well in training. Uh, but the Andy McGrath I saw in training showed up big time in the second half and really almost willed us back. So there was some definitely some good moments. I thought Brown had a, a had a good game. He keeps putting his hand up that guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. He presents. Brownie he just, just keeps presenting and bless him for it. I I think. Should we go back to front? Should we go start the back line? 
Well, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because what when you have a like a ten man bench kind of thing, it's yeah. I, I guess I'm, I'm it's like, more feels thinking, like three quarters of the club played. Yeah, I'm thinking more sort of. I was, one of the points I was thinking for the back line was that our small backmen. Yeah, look, as a unit, the back line was a bit dysfunctional. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, there was a Carlton lot of calls d- up. Carlton outside of one JLT game haven't scored a hundred points in four years. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. for and. Please put this in the context. We all, we always we do strategize and we talk footy, but the the first thing we want to say is this is just JLT one. We're not taking it serious. Yeah, absolutely. But we have to discuss the game, so you have to yeah. have to discuss what worked well and what didn't. So just give it in that context. Overall, we we kind of ha- we're okay with and we're excited about the future and we we're definitely excited about the year ahead. So we I just want to make sure everyone knows that, but. For this game, I felt like the defence gave away too many cheap free kicks. I yeah. thought I actually thought uh, a few guys were a little bit guilty of overholding their opponents, and sometimes wasn't even caught up by the caught by the umpire. And 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 there was a there was a there was about three times where the Carlton kicked it deep into their forward line, and the ball would hit the ground, and a Carlton guy would get it. And we had this weird reaction where all the guys suddenly just focused on a possible handball instead of the guy who had the yeah, ball. I agree, yeah. And the guy who got the ball just ended up turning around kicking the goal yeah, and going, well, if you're going to give me that space. See, I, I thought in the first half, and it was pretty evident in the back line, is that we were chasing bums. Yeah. Like, we, because Carlton got first hands on it, like, Sam Walsh shouldn't have got 28 touches. The kid's weighs a bucko five, ringing wet, right? Like, he's... But you're also not accountable to anyone in jail. No, nah, that you're, is you're playing, that is true. You're playing your own game. And I just think we were chasing chasing rear ends. We were very reactive. The ball, yeah. like you said, the ball had hit the ground. The Carlton guys were so eager because they were playing a finals game. Like yeah. they, and they, they, and that and they played Hawthorne six days before this. So they they've played that awkward first game. They lost badly to Hawthorne, so they've played yeah. that awkward first game. Yeah, and this was their second game, and you could tell the difference. And I think yeah, the the whole chase and rear ends thing is that we then have to react quickly to whatever Carlton were doing and Carlton are not a great side but at least they have the ability to with Cripps and with Walsh and with Murphy and that sort of stuff in there they've got the ability and especially with the new 666 thing um, they've got the ability to shoot handballs out real quick to players on the outside of packs and that that kid that Carlton picked up from the VFL um, he kicked two or three um, because mm. we're we're chasing the ball instead of trying to go and get the ball. Yeah. Uh, Michael Hurley a few times was Michael Hurley and and um, broke off and and um, Aaron Francis did the same sort of thing. But our small defenders, I think. Uh, I mean, even then, McKenna obviously has had a, a limited pre. Yeah. Pre- I mean, it all it all showed. Yeah. Like there was even one point uh, where Saad. I thought he actually went down with a hammy, but it was just a cramp. And I thought, man, that's the end of the second quarter. Like, you've still got some conditioning to yeah. do. It, that, that was just some things that I noticed anyway, that the it was like we were running on two out of ten at the first half. But I'm not concerned because I, no. like, I feel like three or four weeks of conditioning, uh, getting things right, having a few practice games, uh, and these guys should be should be close to Cherry right. In in, a, in three or four weeks' time. And again, Benny says it in the interview that we'll go to in a minute. He, he says that, even he said that the boys don't take the GLT particularly um, seriously. I think it, it just, we've got Benny. He actually said it just before there. Maybe we t- chatted him five minutes before the podcast. Oh, that's what, sorry. He said it, oh, actually, he didn't say it on the podcast. We <laughs> said it before we hit the word uh, record. A private chat. Yeah, we, we spoke to him. This is the thing, like, the, the interview goes for, like, 30 minutes, and... Um, 
we'll, we'll explain a bit as we, we cross to the, to the interview, but the interview goes for like 30 minutes. Benny was so great and so gracious that he spoke to us for like 12 minutes off, <laughs> off air, just about how the boys were going and that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, we, look, I think everybody, we've got Benny Rutten's new, um, new defensive style down the back. They're trying to work that out. They're trying to learn it. Um, it's there's a there was a lot of contributing yeah. factors to the reason why we looked lackluster. I thought I thought uh, down back the one shining light was probably Jordan Ridley. He had close to what twenty possessions. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. He's so, every time he touched, he's smooth. That kid. Yeah, he's so real smooth. That was that was a good shining light. Uh, I I think for if we talk about if we move to the midfield, uh, I think you could easily say McGrath was probably the standout. Yeah, I think. Langford, they used a little bit funny. They played him forward quite a bit again. Um, so I don't know if he totally got a chance to be a, a full game midfielder, yeah. but he, he he wasn't his total self. But I'm for, he's been so impressive at training. I'm not too concerned. And and Parish as well. Parish has had a really good preseason. Um, he tried, I thought, but it was. And it's no. It's going to sound like an excuse, but. Did you notice, because it was like 37 degrees, 36 degrees, how the the ball, their ball handling, the slipperiness of the ball, yeah. they just didn't have touch at all. Yeah. It was like very fumbly. And, and like, even like Dylan yeah. Shield, who's... Like Mark McCurry was a was a, um, a, a smooth, classy player, but Dylan Shield, man, the guy is just... The guy's pure silk. He just didn't even look right. Yeah. Like when he got the ball, he, he'd fumble it and he didn't have clean possession and stuff. So I think everybody... At the end of this podcast, when we've sort of said, "Hey guys, d- don't worry particularly much about that game. It's it's it was what it was, and that sort of stuff." Go and jump onto the Essendon um, website and have a look through the senior list. Yeah. Just have a look at the names on that senior list, and where we'll be fine. Don't worry about and, it. And it reminds me again, despite being to the first game, and, and I think a lot of Essendon fans will relate to this. Essendon does look, for some reason, a lot different without Fantasia on the side. He's a very dynamic player. I completely agree. That that um, I think just elevates the Essendon Football Club quite quite dramatically. Kyle Hooker would have been nice. Um, I mean, yeah. As much as um, Myers, old mate, yeah, Myers. As much as old mate in the ruck did okay. Um, Tommy Bell might have been nice <laughs> as well. Look, there's we. I think we should probably move into the positives of this game because it's. It's it's JLT one boys yeah, yeah. and girls. Oh, the positives is that they kept on pushing forward and 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 the younger guys started to get their hands on the ball and and um, I had look, um, Stringer had a had a pretty relatively easy shot to put us in front in the last quarter. Yeah, he's probably kicking himself this morning because uh, that that may have got um, Carlton a little bit mentally off uh, if we actually hit the front from from them being so dominant. But I agree. Uh, we're clearly the best side in the in the second half and and that's. I mean, that's where the coaches will hold on to and go, okay, we were cobwebs, we were rusty as all get out. But the, the younger players who'd had a full preseason in the second half actually overran Carlton. Mm. And that's the positive. So uh, I, I don't know if there's like individual kind of highlights. No, I, I don't really think. The uh, one highlight I can think is uh, the first goal of the game. Oh, the Joey? Just the Joey lead, the Joey mark, the that sort of stuff. Yeah. And again, with the more room that the, in, the midfielders are going to have um, next season or this season, uh, someone like Dylan Shields going to have more room, and he is going to burst out of that centre and hit Joey Lace out. So there's a positive for everybody to uh, to remember that we've got 
a six foot six bloke leading out of the out yeah. of the forward line, um, and uh, some real classy midfielders are going to be putting it down his throat. So that that'd be my favourite takeaway. So the next game is next Thursday down at Geelong against Geelong. That would be that will have more more my interest uh, yeah. to see where how far we've come. Uh, so. Look, we'll, we'll go. Everyone's obviously going to go. Look, we really want to hear Benny Hallett, so yes. uh, we'll, we'll cross over to him now. So, thank you so much, um, I guess, for for your time, for listening to our little spiel on the game. Our little spiel, yeah. Uh, on just on Benny Hallett too. We were going to ask him about the GLT game, but just just a bit of a heads up. He actually had Peel Thunder training, <laughs> so he missed quite a lot of the game. So uh, yeah. So once we knew that, uh, we didn't actually ask him too much. So just so you go, well, why didn't you ask him about the game? Because he didn't see much of it, unfortunately. So, yeah, uh, and and that too is that he was so generous with his time that we looked up at the clock and it was like thirty one minutes, and we hadn't got <laughs> to much of the thing yet. So. Um, yeah, that'll be the reason why we didn't get too much into this week's game. But um, yeah, we, we, we're really appreciative for the time that uh, that Benny gave us. Yeah, you'll you'll hear a whole lot of interesting subjects. Uh, obviously, he came at Essendon in 2010, and for for three four years of that, it was a very hard slog for him, uh, yeah. for the obvious reason with Asada. We did, we went through those years uh, and discussed that. So I think you'll find it very interesting. And look, a terrific guy. But we'll get onto it. Uh, here is Benny Hallett. And on the line, we have Mr. Ben Howlett. Ben, how are you? Good, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me uh, on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, geez, thank you very much for appearing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, too easy. I'm uh, excited to chat about the Bombers, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how they go this season. Yes, indeed. Yeah, look, I thought the best that we, uh, maybe not even um, Essendon fans, would know your, your pre-Essendon kind of career. So it, I thought it would be good to actually just start with that. Uh with your Peel Thunder days. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, were you actually, uh, you and Scott Gumbleton as juniors were playing for Peel Thunder? Yeah, so we, um, Gummy and I played in a Colts premiership actually, so in 2005, a long way back now, but nice. um, we played in a under-18s premiership together and um, we actually had a fair few guys in that team that ended up getting drafted as a... Brock O'Brien, who went to Fremantle Dockers. Um, yep. Paul Paul Bow, who played for Carlton, okay. ended up playing eighty odd games. Christian Thornton, um, Sydney, and Matt Riggio at North Melbourne, and um, and even Hayden Ballantyne, who's still still going around now. He was in the side, so you'd be clearly um, on top of that list, Ben. We oh, definitely not, definitely <laughs> not. Um, I was just the the battler forward pocket, um, oh, but um, so yeah, we're you- quite rich of quite rich of talent so we're quite lucky and it's not very nice having Gumby to kick to yeah I'll, I'll be interested to know um we obviously only know Gumby from when we picked him up in the draft at pick two or three I think it was three uh so what was your recollections of, of Scott Gumbleton because obviously I mean he had a, a well-documented back injury that just in some ways crippled him um for most of his career what 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 did you see that he was gonna you know be worthy of a, a sort of a, a, a pick three. Yeah, yeah. No, Gumby was he was super talented um, and very hard done by by his body. But um, his his junior days were absolutely unreal, and you, you could see the talent in in him. And um, you know, you, anyone would have suspected he's going to have a fantastic AFL career. But um, unfortunately, his body let him down um, on a number of occasions. And yeah. Uh, I think we saw glimpses 
throughout his career. Yeah, um, absolutely. Of what he could do, but um, yeah, unfortunately, couldn't quite put it together and, and consistently be on the in games. But um, probably the only thing he was consistent in that was. Um, um, his footy trips. Um, was he? You know, <laughs> could, could constantly get on footy trips and, and have BOGs? a good time. And, um, <laughs> yeah, he's up there, definitely up there with BOGs on footy trips. So, um, no, I, lo- I love being, uh, love having a beer with Gumby, and um, yeah, I miss uh, being able to catch up with him quite a bit. Has he um, transitioned reasonably well? Is he is he making a hell of a money, lot of money somewhere? Yeah, no, Gumby, um, for a while there, he's seeing a girl from New York, I'm pretty sure, so he's doing nice. the... That's linked the to Jove, t- isn't it? Yeah, linked to Jove. Oh, so okay, there you go. going back and forth to New York um, for quite a while. Uh, I think he's quite settled now in Melbourne, um, just playing out in the suburbs, so he, yeah. Um, yeah, he's quite happy to just do the old Gumby thing, and, and <laughs> I think he's playing quite good footy um, out there now, so... Nice. Now... When we discuss your career moving forward, um, I'm sort of curious. I mean, obviously, I'm not sure if you actually nominated for those drafts uh, or what had what had actually happened there. Did you did you feel like your footy came on more as you matured when when you sort of got more in the the BNF or Peel, Peel Thunder and I think maybe 2009. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, normally, the club that you're playing for will sort of nominate on your behalf back, back then it was. But um, okay. I think, um, yeah, those three years that I didn't get drafted, I, I sort of, uh, you don't lose hope, but you, you you want to have a good career, even if it's waffle. And, um, you know, I, I hadn't lost hope, but I sort of had put it to the back of my mind and had that, by that stage, sort of realised it may not happen for me. So, um but fortunately, like I had a, a great 2009 um, season, and as you said, won the fairest and best. But um, I still then probably didn't think I was going to get drafted, and um, I was actually in uh, Bali at the time I did get drafted. Um, so that's how much I thought I was a chance. Um, I'd gone away on holiday and uh, was getting the phone call from Adrian Dodoro um, the day before the rookie draft. So. Um, yeah, I honestly didn't think I was much of a chance, but um, yeah, Essendon was quite. Um, they would hold their cards quite quite close to their chest, so um, you just never knew what yeah. they were doing. Yeah, yeah. classic Dodoro. Yep. And speaking yeah. of speaking of Adrian, the man, the myth, the legend, um, <clears throat> we'd we'd love to get him on the uh, on the podcast. Um, does he? How does a, how does a phone call like that go? Like you said, your mind wasn't on playing like for Essendon, but maybe not even in the AFL. You were in Bali having a great time. Your mobile rings. Is it very business-like? Does he just go, Ben, um, Adrian Dodoro from Essendon, we're going to draft you? Or does he put a bit of bit of mayo on it and say congratulations, son, and all that sort of stuff? No, no. He, as I said, he keeps his, his cards close to his chest. So even the phone call was a bit like, oh, we would – you look, we're thinking of picking you up. We're not 100% sure, but okay. – um, you know, so they, even then they keep it close to their close to their chest, and um, I, I probably didn't think too much of it because I'd been there over the last three years and, and received um, letters and, and had minor chats with other clubs. Um, I think North Melbourne were probably the most interested over those three years, and um, even West Coast at times. But you sort of you sort of put it to the back of your mind and think, oh, it's just another phone call. And, nothing's really going to happen there. Um, and it wasn't until the next day I was um, sitting by a computer and 
couldn't quite get the uh, computer to work and get the rookie draft up, but um, I got a phone call from back home to say it had happened. So it was, um, yeah, quite a surprise in the end. Okay, so that's, that's interesting. I mean, you, you don't actually get told on the spot that you're going to get drafted. You sorry just... there, boys. Oh, I just oh, lost sorry. you. Hang on one sec. That's better. Yep. Oh, there we go. Scotty's playing around yep. with the phone. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's interesting that um, they don't actually sort of tell you on the spot that you're going to get drafted. They just sort of mention maybe we will, and then you literally have to wait till your number drops, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. They they probably do do it with some players. They probably did with Andy McGrath, that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no one drafted. You think you'd hope yeah, that you get uh, yeah. told early, but um, yeah, no, I think um, it's all a bit of luck of the draw as well. I think um, the West Coast had pick thirty one, which was probably looking like. Could have possibly been myself as well, and then Essen had the pick before, um, and yeah, luckily, you know, I went to to Essendon and um, had a great time. Yep. Now, so Essendon pick you at, at pick thirty in the in the rookie draft. I've got this vague memory, and I and I hope I'm right, but I, I have this vague memory of seeing you actually at the Icon Park, which is the old Princess Park. Is it was it at one of your first ever games in like in a practice match? Um, and I actually used to think, like, oh, well, this guy can get the ball. <laughs> yeah. did, did it surprise yourself that you played sort of 15 games and you averaged around like 19 disposals in your in your first year? Did that surprise yourself and go, actually, I really belong here? Yeah, definitely. I, I, when I first moved over, I I didn't think that. I, I probably thought, oh, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. I feel way out of my comfort zone, way out of my league. Um, um, and I probably... I probably felt like it probably wasn't going to last more than a year um, at that stage. But, yeah, you're right. I played in a, a practice match um, against Carlton. Oh, no, sorry, it was against Melbourne yeah. at Icon Park. Um, I sat on the bench the whole game until the very last quarter. Um, came on in the last quarter and, yeah, as I said, got a bit of the ball. and Racked up um, 19, if a, you don't mind. It's so strange how well I remember it how much that, yeah. that quarter had an impact because it was it was very obvious because cause no one had seen you and, and, you, and you're right, you hadn't played the first three quarters and then you came on and you must have had, like, I'm not exaggerating, you must have had 10 or 12 possessions with about four clearances, four or five clearances and it was just like, yeah. oh, okay, this guy can seriously, nice. seriously play the game. Yeah, I think that's um, the luck of the draw, really coming on as a fresh player against some serious fatigue players. But yeah, um, no, 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 I, I, I seriously enjoyed that game, and um, yeah, from then it just sort of it sort of just spiraled very quickly. And I think the next week I played a full game um, in Morwell against Richmond, um, and then the week after I got elevated to the senior list um, right before round one. So that's how it's done. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Well done. <laughs> yeah, it happened very quickly. So, um, and then I think we had a premiership dinner dinner with the uh, past premiership uh, players and at the MCG, and um, got told by NIDA in front of the playing group that I'd be playing round one. So, um, yeah, that was very special to me and something yeah. I'll never forget. Um, yeah, and it was a great experience. You've obviously gone through a, a number of coaches, and we'll go through a few. But how did you how did you find NIDA in, in sort of in that that small period? Yeah, I mean, fantastic for my career. Obviously, um, you know, first and foremost, he gave me an opportunity um, to play, and um, I know a lot of people sort of 
would bag him out at times and probably didn't think he was the greatest of coaches. But um, for, for my career, and uh, you know, I'll be forever grateful that he gave me an opportunity. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, we didn't have a great season my first year, and um, mm. unfortunately for Nido, he was um, he was given the sack at the end of the year. So um, yeah, I mean, personally, I thought he was great. Um, but yeah, as as the media and things as they do, they get stuck into coaches that aren't winning, and <laughs> yeah, um, can happen. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, uh, the pressure buckled, and um, yeah, he was out the door at the end of the year. So you you just arrived at um, at the club. You've just rocketed into the senior side. Did anybody take you under the wing? Did anybody sort of, or is it a bit of sort of sink and swim? As much as they support you, but did any, <laughs> any of the any of the older boys sort of? have a chat in your ear and anything because the reason why I ask that question is because I see some of the media coming from Essendon at the moment with like with uh, Irving Mosquito um, and these young kids that are coming in you see the the kid with the the biggest smile in the entire world um, just get all nervous because Adam Saad walked past him or um, here comes Jakey Long or something like that and you see some of the older boys come over and give him a pat and say hey how you doing um, and even Jakey Long said to uh, Irving Mosquito just do what Orazio Fantasia does and you'll be fine right um, did, uh, did anybody take you under their wing anybody give you yeah, guidance yeah definitely um, yeah probably not initially I was probably a bit the same to be honest so I, when I first started you sort of walk into a club and you're absolutely packing yourself um, when you see you know Joe Watson and um, at the time Andrew Welsh and uh, Mark McVeigh sort of walking around but those are the guys that as you said they, they are the ones that actually took, took me under their wing and uh, really taught me a lot about AFL football and um, and how to sort of prepare myself to be an AFL fo- footballer so um, yeah, those three guys definitely. Um, Joe, um, Wusher, and, and Spike McVeigh were, were unbelievable in my first year of my yeah. career. So, from and again, I'm fascinated on this subject. Like you've you're a professional athlete. You're playing for Peel. They don't you don't take that sort of lightly. It requires um, preparation and training. But what what differences, main differences, are there between Waffle and AFL in terms of what you were just saying about preparing yourself properly for a game? Yeah, I think just for the more time you put into it, um, obviously training every day, um, you know, six or seven days a week, it becomes a 24-hour job, basically. So you're looking after your nutrition away from the club and um, looking after your body properly, you know, whether it be the extra Pilates session or yoga okay. session or yeah. recovery session down at the beach. Um, it just becomes a 24-hour thing that, you just, you know, you're always constantly on or have to be on to prepare yourself for a game um, or for an AFL season, really. So, um, you know, it becomes a lot more professional where you're monitored a lot more as well. So you, you're getting your skin folds done, you're getting 2K time trial um, testing, um, you know, you're playing match play intra clubs, you know, yeah. just about every week in mm. the preseason. So, you know, the tempo goes up quite a bit compared to a waffle level. Um, but in saying that, there's nothing disregarding a waffle level or VFL level. Oh, no, um, they're not, still yeah. still quite, uh, you know, a high level of football. And um, there's something I, I try to push to a lot of the younger guys that I play with now that, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a, a good waffle career. Um, I'd you know, a lot of guys. For one myself. That, that yeah, a lot of guys sort of play two or three years and, you know, they don't make the AFL and they go back to playing 
um, you know, country football. But yeah, I truly believe that you know it's still a great standard of football, and you should be pretty proud that you know if you can make a career of waffle football, VFL football, um, that you've done yourself proud. Yeah, I mean, even us biased Victorians can admit that the reputation of waffle football oh, is pretty strong. Yeah. Like it's 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 always and it's always been a huge trading ground for Essendon historically Absolutely. um we've we've always seemed to have a uh a, a quite close connection with WA footballers yeah yeah I think um Ian White who's actually uh, he's actually a past Peel Thunder um sort of uh member I guess he um yeah, he's quite close to the Peel Thunder Football Club and he's a recruiter for Essendon over here in WA and um, I spent quite a few times this year having a chat with him about players within the waffle um, and people he's looking at. So, um, yeah, it's always fantastic to see guys going to Essendon. Yeah, that's interesting. Cause did you say that? Because I, I will be forever in debt um, to um, – no, it wasn't Nigel Smart. Who, was, who did we get from Adelaide, the assistant coach who found Orazio for us? Oh, no, oh, Bassett. South Australia, South Australia Bassett. Yeah. South Australia, who? Bassett. Oh, Nathan Bassett, was it? Yeah, Nathan Bassett. Nathan yeah. Bassett, who said, "Have a look at Orazio because this kid might be all right." And if if we if you're scouting over there for us for the Bombers, I'd be well and truly happy with that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You might have to stop him from trying to recruit him back to Port Adelaide at the end of the year. <laughs> oh, really? When he's out of contract. Yeah, no, 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 no. We'll be we'll be Hands standing off. in the gates at Windy Hill, <laughs> at uh, Marine, even. So let's. Uh... Yeah. Let's let's start going. You've you've arrived at Essendon. You've had a good first year. David Evans announces that uh, there's going to be quite a dramatic changeover of the coaching staff, and you've got Hurdy and Bomber. How does that play out initially? And, and what was your first thoughts when they started to talk about their vision and 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 their game plan and and what they want out of the out of the players? Yeah, um, I still remember the day. Hurdy actually started. It was quite a funny one. We'd already begun training, pre-season training, and um, sort of walked into Windy Hill, and he was in the profi room um, getting getting changed. And you know, was, I'd never met Hurdy in my life before, and just to see him, you know, it was quite a shock. And you always sent me back to my first day at Essendon. You know, you just absolutely pack yourself when you see a superstar <laughs> of that caliber. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I was, um, you know, quite a surprise, and you know, I, I don't think I said too much when I first met him. But is it, um, is it hello, Mister Hurd, or is it can I hurt him? <laughs> yeah, it was a, yeah, a few nerves there, so um, <laughs> I probably just had a quick g'day and got out of the room. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was fantastic to have Hurdy as as coach, and you know, I truly looked up to him as a player when he was when he was playing. But um, to have him as a coach was was unreal, and uh, honestly, one of the best motivators and. Um, probably got the most out of myself out of my career um because of him um yeah and i can't thank him enough for that so um yeah it was, it was great to have him on board and um even when bomber came on board that was a bit of a funny one too he just i think we were training out at at um at pegs at that stage and um Essendon grammar and um bomber just rocked up out of nowhere and said i'm in G'day boys, I'm so, in. <laughs> triple premier, so, yeah, triple premiership coach. Odd, yeah, a bit of an odd one, but um, yeah, it really gave the boys a lift and I think we knew we were sort of going to build towards something special at that stage. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the 2012 season because statistically that was your strongest uh, uh, and 
you felt like the club was sort of going places, getting leading into 2013. Is that how you sort of saw things? It, it felt like the club was was just um, sort of just gaining uh, a lot of games into, I guess, some younger players and and a, a, mid, a midfield group that was just combining really well. Yeah, absolutely. 2012, we we started like house on fire, and um, obviously, it's well documented. We had a lot of injuries that year, and um, I think we're having a lot of hamstrings. We, we had probably one of the biggest pre-seasons. Well, it was definitely the biggest pre-season I'd ever done. Um, certainly uh, doing some massive days out at Victoria Park, um, early sort of December, November. Um, and that really sort of set us up for a big season. And it's just unfortunate that we had so many injuries um, throughout the year that it, it really cost us towards the back end of the year. But um, I think it set us up for another big year the following year in that 2013 season and yep. um you know we, i think we we're playing off a top spot by around 18 in 2013 and against the hawks, yeah. against the hawks and um yeah and then unfortunately it all spiraled down from there where we got knocked out or kicked out of finals so mm. um i think we lost every game from there on in but uh. you know that, that that group was we definitely knew we could play at the highest level and, and probably perform in finals if we had played in that final but um, unfortunately it wasn't to be so I mean obviously goes into the not so fun subject which we all know but uh, and and <laughs> myself and Grant have our own views and we're, we're pretty supportive <laughs> uh, to, <laughs> say, to say the least um, look obviously that 2013 year there's a lot of distraction going on and but the, the odd the odd part is that you guys are playing so well um, it was it as the year went on and that announcement of the of getting no finals. Is that just too hard for a competitive person to yeah. to actually handle being able oh, to yeah. just produce their best footy? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it is odd, like you said. I think that year was oddly, strangely, one of the, the most one of the best but worst years I've ever been through. Um, as you said, winning games of football, that's what you play footy for. And I can just remember that first sort of 10, 11 games when we had that mentality, you know, it was us against the world. Um, and and that Fremantle game after the game was just there's nothing I've ever incredible. seen as a supporter. Yeah, I think probably both the WA games, we beat West Coast and Fremantle over there in those, I think over those two couple of years. And, um, you know, they were two probably the best wins I've ever played in. Um, and you know as I said backs against the wall we sort of had all this media attention against us and you know we were able to fight through it and and had two amazing wins Um, but um, yeah unfortunately as I said like we got kicked out of finals and it turned into probably you know a horrible end to what could have been an amazing amazing year but yeah um, you know I think as as every footballer wants to play finals and and that's your competitiveness right there um, to play finals yeah um, to have that sucked or you know taken away from you just I guess sucked out all the emotion of all us all the footballers and um, we've really yeah we struggled to finish off that year I think we we lost every game from there on in was there an element in 2013 where, as much as there was noise, I, you, the I guess the the playing group would clearly have understood that you did nothing wrong. So, eventually you'll be okay. Like so, let's just keep pushing on. 
Um, once, yeah, like, absolutely. Like once you kind of, it sounds odd, but once the evidence comes out <laughs> uh, that you guys would be obviously fine. So, yeah, does that... Yeah, absolutely. We just tried to block it out as much as possible. Um, we knew the attention was there and there was always something in the papers about us, but... Um, I guess we sort of just listened to the noise internally and that was, you know, just us as a group and um, and that's the way we treated it. Um, you know, it was just about us and no one else. Um, yeah. You know, and we, we knew we had an amazing support from fans and, and you know, especially our families, but to, all that mattered to us was um, us winning games of football and, yeah, it truly was. As I said, it's a bit of a weird year because it was an enjoyable year, but a um, a horrible year at the end. So yeah, and and the, yeah. And, the, and the strange part was, it, it felt like everyone was trying to invent every drug possible that you might have t- taken. So we started yeah. we started with this AOD nine oh six oh yeah nine oh six four, and then we went to all this other stuff and stuff from Mexico, and everything got kind of shot down, and then uh, and then along came this thermosin beta four, which Probably, if I took a guess, none of the playing group ever ever heard before. Before, no, definitely not. Was yeah. even mentioned. Yeah. Uh, how, how does that journey sort of go along when they start sink, narrowing down on this? I guess this one substance, and and you and you must be thinking like, what the hell? First of all, what the hell is this drug? And and was there any sort of did it cross your mind? There was any doubt about uh, about maybe what you you might have taken um rather rather yeah, than yeah, yeah. obviously you you would never do it deliberately but i guess maybe what it actually had transpired yeah certainly i guess you know there's times where you did doubt you know what actually went on and what happened and and what was stored at the club and and you know what we were actually getting and giving um but you know i think i think most of us would agree that you know we knew that we were doing everything right and we knew that we're following the right processes um yeah but yeah you, you know there's there is that internal doubt um you know you, you get that much media thrown at you and um people trying to guess and trying to have their own opinion on everything that went on but um you know i think internally we sort of knew exactly what was happening and we were comfortable with the situation um and we were understanding that, you know, we knew what we were doing properly and yeah. we were happy with it. So, yeah, it's a bit of a funny one because, you know, a lot of opinions go flying around and um, I don't think anyone truly knows what happened, to be honest. No, which is the whole irony of the whole thing of of actually uh, an overseas body telling you what went on <laughs> when no one else does. So, uh, yeah. but we can go on for that. But that's enough of that period of time. <laughs> right. But look, I, I think... Just closing on just that matter, it um, uh, there's something you wouldn't even know that it happened that I'm probably linked to. Like I had a lady called Gwenda come to me and say, "Hey, this is in 2016. That we, why don't we as as a fan group try and get just thousands and thousands to march to the G?" And so she sort of came with me with the idea, and then then I mm. went I went to the club and talked to some older players and and said, "Well, let's do this, and we'll try and get Sammy Newman on and." And um, and and that's where my heart was at because I, I felt like, and this is my sort of message and and on and on on behalf of us is how well you guys conducted yourselves yeah. through that whole thing. I, I I honestly think it's one of the most valuable um, plays that I've sort of 
I guess supported uh, and and it's it's very deep in me how much I'm proud of the of the whole squad uh, of, of how they carry themselves in in the whole four years of stupidity which I call it and that's my personal feel yeah. opinion. <laughs> but but let, I just wanted to say that I know we're a fan podcast but I just wanted you to hear that from us about how proud we are of you guys and and we know that I mean, you're talking about Dustin Fletcher's and guys like that. I mean, seriously, they're, they're obviously of high character. So we just wanted to, I guess, convey that yeah. about our, our our support, our pride, and and we're excited that you're playing for Pill Thunder again. And, and it's a bit of a romance coming back to where it started. Um, and yeah, yeah, so... no, appreciate that. No, I really, yeah, we do appreciate it, and we do truly know that. Um, you know, us as an Essendon family and I guess as an Essendon club, football club that, you know, we do have some very passionate supporters and, um, you know, they're right behind us the whole way through and it was fantastic to see them. I, I remember that march very clearly. But, um, yeah, I, I think as a whole club and especially the playing group, it probably brought everyone's so close together um yeah that we're we're a group that will always stick together through thick and thin now for the rest of our lives just because of the experience we went through so um no i truly appreciate those words um but um yeah as you said it's been a quite a journey but um ended up back at peel thunder (laughs) (laughs) now okay so speaking of peel thunder um, who, do, who are we looking forward to? Uh, who should we be looking forward to watching appeal this year, apart from uh, uh, your good self? Am I right in saying that um, Leroy Jetta and um, Jackson Merritt are there now? Uh, no, no, long, no longer with uh, Leroy. He's oh, okay. uh, gone, he? yeah. gone back to country football now. But okay. um, yeah, pretty excited to have Jackson on board. Um, so he's been here since January and been training quite well. And yep. um, already, in, just in the few intra clubs that we've had, he's really shown you know, what sort of quality player he is and, and how much, um, I guess, experience he brings to this side. So um, I'm quite excited to see how Jacko goes um, this year. Um, obviously, had a bit of a tough time his last few years at Essendon um, without, you know, not being able to crack into the to the senior team. But And he's played um, some still... fantastic VFL footy, by the way. He, uh, yeah, that's he, right. He was, he's he he's a quality a, player. Yeah, he became a very, very good small forward slash high mid kind of option in the VFL. Yeah, yeah. He's been, um, it's quite funny actually, because we've been playing uh, a few games up at the Fremantle Football Club, um, just myself, him and a couple of others uh, filling in their intra clubs for them. And, um, you know, he's still quite able to, uh, I guess, play quite at a high standard of AFL football. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's making a few of the Fremantle Dockers look silly at times. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how Jacko goes and I'm sure he's going to have a great season for us. What are your chances this year in Pearl Thunder? Who's, who's got to knock Peel off the top of the ladder this year? Um, well, I think obviously Subiaco were amazing last year. Um, they didn't lose a game for the whole year and, and quite easily won the grand final. So, um, you know, we'll be looking to try and step back up and you know, we had a bit of a horror year last year of injuries but um i think or hopeful that we'll have a quite a strong squad again um you know, obviously we've got the alignment with Fremantle at the moment so um it helps if they're healthy at times but it also helps with our younger guys pushing up and, and putting pressure on the team to, to perform so yeah. uh, i think i think we'll be up there um yeah it's difficult to tell at this stage but um you know, if you look at this, 
statistics. We've won two out of the last three grand finals. So we're still, um, you know, one of the, the top teams in the competition. So hopefully nice. we'll be uh, back up there again. Excellent. All right. So we've probably kept you for a bit longer than we said we would. So we'll just run you a couple other quick questions. Um, how do you see the Bombers this year? Yeah, exciting. Um, I think they're going to be a bit of a surprise packet of the competition. And, um, as long as they can win those uh, those games that we always struggle with, then they seem to be the, the bottom teams, the, the Brisbane's and the Carlton's. <laughs> yeah. um, we always seem to play down a level with those teams. But um, no, I see them as, as really exciting. There's a lot of young young future there that I see, you know, could play for a long time. So mm. if they can, if they can sort of get to finals this year and, you know, hopefully go well in finals and it sets themselves up for future years as well. Can, just look, just last one. Uh, I, I've tell me if I'm wrong. I've, I've thought I read somewhere that you actually might have a little bit of a passion for coaching yourself. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. It's something I want to go down the path eventually. Um, probably post when I'm finished playing, but um, yeah, it's something I'm quite passionate about. I feel like I've got quite a good game knowledge. Um, I'm quite lucky I've learned off some of the best coaches in, you know, the competition. So, um, you know, Simon Goodwin is, uh, you know, a close mate of mine and yeah. to see him coaching so well at Melbourne now really, we um, kept him. <laughs> really makes me proud. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's something I'd uh, love to get into and something I'd be passionate about. Brilliant. All right. Well, we better let you go, Ben, because like I think we said before we, we came on air, we could talk to you for a good sort of two or three hours on this subject. Yeah, but, uh, we better let you go because what is it like quarter past seven in the morning over there in Perth at the moment? Or something? Yeah, no, no, no. Perfect afternoon over here. Oh, uh, I must admit, I've, I've, through work, I've spent some time in WA. Um, my first sort of half a dozen times that I've been to WA. That, that's just, that place sneaks up on you. You've been hiding WA. It is a beautiful yes. little part of the world. Yeah, God's country over here, mate. It so seriously is. Always, like, sun's was, always shining. That's it. I was, I was in the middle of the city. Um, you can see for miles in every direction in the building that I was in, and it just was permanent sunshine the entire time I was there. Yeah, we're quite lucky. We've probably got some of the best beaches in the world, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so you probably don't need to go anywhere else, but... WA. Very nice. And, and you're a, you're a, you're a Donnybrook man, and birth from birth yeah, yeah originally yeah yeah so um, back in the small town of Donnybrook so I get back there quite a bit um, nice. to see the family and and whatnot but um, yeah even sometimes get a bit further and go down to places like Dunsborough and, and Bustledon and um, <laughs> even as far, far as Albany you know good fishing down there so very nice. Very All nice. right, Ben. Um, again, thank you very much for uh, for coming on the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast today. We really appreciate it. And um, thank you again for everything you did for your time under the Essendon Footy Club. No worries, boys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Ben. We'll keep an eye out on the, on the form this year. Yeah, it's too easy. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, Ben. A great interview there with Benny Howlett. We, we'd really like to thank him again for his time. Definitely. Um, we're going to uh, go to a quick break, and then we'll come back and wrap up this episode. Talk soon. And so just to wrap things up, um, I've really enjoyed this episode tonight. Uh, we got to speak to another bomber legend in uh, Benny Howlett. We've uh, very pleased again and very thankful for Ronnie Lerner 
um, to become part of the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast in 2019. He'll be on in two weeks. Yeah, he'll be on in two weeks. So um, we're really looking forward to ramping up the podcast again, back into full swing. Um, look for us uh, to be doing our after-game reviews as per normal. Um, and then uh, that once a month, we'll grab Ronnie on and uh, we'll be able to do a, a wrap-up of that month's games with him um, for uh, each four weeks. Yep. Uh, so uh, we really look forward to um, to coming back. Uh, when will the next one? We'll, we'll probably do a review after the Geelong game. Yeah, we'll do. We'll probably have another one next weekend after the Geelong game. After Geelong game, and then how many more till the season? I think there's maybe a practice game. I actually have to check the schedule. I think yeah, there's a practice game after that, and then March twenty fourth. On Sunday, we play GWS in the first game of the year. Beautiful. Um, so, again, just you can catch us on the socials, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, check us out. Um, shoot us any messages. We'd love to hear from you guys. We love, we, we get a few emails and a few, um, not emails, sort of Facebook messages. and yep. like We love talking to you guys, the fans out there. So um, this has been a really great podcast, and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Uh, look forward to, to next week. Great to see the uh, the 1,400 new members that signed up the last two days. So good Incredible. to see Good to see momentum. We're up to 64,400. So uh, great effort from everyone. And thank you again to all the love. See you again next week. And it's all out from here. Bye-bye, guys.